Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fortifying Your Faith. I'm Haston Hanley, and I'm so glad you can be with us today as we pick back up after a few week break our study on Christian evidences. And as we begin this actual study after spending the last episode trying to figure out why it's even worth studying this topic, we're going to begin with one of my favorite studies when it comes to Christian evidences and and really proving the Bible. And it's just simply archaeology. One of my favorite studies in in science and in history and all of that scope of of academics, I suppose you could say, even in things like casual viewing of of TV shows, really center around archaeology for me and digging back into history and and finding things that have been forgotten for hundreds or sometimes even thousands of years. But what all does that have to do with the Bible? Well, there have been plenty of discoveries that have just been centered around trying to disprove the Bible that an archaeologist goes out to say there is absolutely no evidence of insert this group of people. Uh, One of the most common views of that is the Hittite people. Archaeologists said there's never been any evidence of the Hittites, there's never going to be any evidence of the Hittites, and to prove it, we're going to go out and scan every area that we can. It turns out they found the Hittite people. It just so happened to be, just as the Bible puts it, that they were nomadic in the, in the Canaan area. Most of what we're going to talk about today is mentioned within uh, one or two books in particular. They are the um, Archaeology and the Bible Supplementary Commentaries for, uh, rather, from Truth for Today. So they have a commentary series that goes through the whole Bible, and uh, they have two parts that go along with it for archaeology. Uh, They're written by Jack Lewis, and most of it is going to be from part one, or the first book, uh, today. But what is archaeology? We've kind of touched on it a little bit before digging too deep into this, but it's that basic idea of going out and uncovering long-forgotten history. A lot of it has to do with uh, geology and excavations and dating periods. Uh, It really is less like Indiana Jones and more like uh, learning the nuances of what time period they would uh, paint with primarily blue paint or primarily uh, a teal style paint and knowing, you know, how they... Uh, had more uh, tempering of clay and things like that. But archaeology specifically, Merriam-Webster defines it as the scientific study of material remains, such as tools, pottery, jewelry, 
stone walls, and monuments of past human life and activity. Uh, the commentary I was looking at uh, has a, a description by R.A. Stewart McAllister, and it's just simply put, the discovery and classification of the ordinary objects of life. When we're talking about these things, and we are trying to bring to light the Bible, and the people of the Bible, and the history of the Bible, when it comes to archaeology, it takes away so much doubt that we could have about if these things really happened, if these people really existed, and all of this together gives us a deeper appreciation and a deeper knowledge in the Bible. The truth is, is when we look into provable archaeological finds and the ones based in truth and evidence, uh, because we won't delve into carbon dating or anything in this episode, we find a lot of proof for the Bible. Now, the truth is, is the Bible and archaeology work hand in hand. Archaeology's sole purpose is not to prove the Bible. Just like the Bible's uh, sole purpose is not to provide insight into archaeology. They work hand in hand and benefit each other. How, how do we mean that? It gives us a proper insight into the customs, practices, and traditions that we might no longer use today. There were times where people were no longer aware that hist uh, back in history they would seal important letters with wax and a signet ring. There were times where uh, it was no longer a common practice to do this thing or that thing. But when we look at it through history, we find that's exactly the case. And a lot of the history that we do have about the ancient Roman Empire and things like that have really come to fruition through archaeology. Things such as what a cross would have been like. If you get in your mind what a cross is, first of all, yes, it was a implement of capital punishment but primarily through archaeological evidence of things such as writings uh, and letters, things like artwork and, and other things like that that date back to the time of Christ. It's not that simple lowercase t that we're so often accustomed to seeing. Historically speaking, a more accurate uh, rendition of a cross would have been a capital T. It would have been one where the pole was uh, primarily fixed into the ground, and in between crucifixions, they would take the top uh, cross piece off, and then whenever they were getting ready to hang someone else on there, they would bind them to the, the cross member, and then they would lift up uh, their arms and, and what they were hanging by and place it on the fixed piece of wood in the ground. And that's not really the, the, the picture that we are given through so many 
modern art pieces or even going back to the Renaissance paintings. Uh, we don't get that sense of what a cross actually was, but it's more of a artist representation of what they thought a cross would be. It's simple things like that. Uh, and just the idea that what is being proven, what is being shown, is doing nothing but highlighting the Bible. Highlighting this image of the Bible and these proofs of the Bible, but how do we take it all and relate it back to ourselves? How do we take archaeological finds and make them mean something to us? We're going to look at two simple things. Uh, first of all, I want us to look at just a basic principle. There are things that we take for granted that we know today that a hundred or two hundred or three hundred years ago, people did not know. Uh, you can discuss for a, a while when the dinosaurs went extinct. That is a very common uh, debate that some people will have. But the truth is, is the word dinosaur was not pinned, and it was not uh, set to be the the bones of these large creatures that have been excavated until after George Washington had died. So George Washington, most likely because of the most conservative time of when a dinosaur would have gone extinct, he would have never known about what a dinosaur was unless he stumbled across some artwork of one. We take for granted that we know things about history that those in between the historical events and us might not have known. So let's take, for example, uh, two passages. First of all, I want us to look at Amos chapter 8 and verse 5. Uh, a really random passage you might be thinking that we would go to. But talking about the spiritual state of the people and all of that, Amos chapter 8 and verse 5, it says, saying, When will the new moon be gone, that we may go, uh, we may sell corn, and the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great? In fact, the King James just goes ahead and spells it out for it, and falsifying the balances by deceit. Today, we have pretty straightforward scales. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the Walmart deli scales. If you look at uh, the scales that they have, they will be zeroed out, meaning that they are completely, wholly calibrated, and the only thing you are paying for is what they put on the scales. Well, back in that day, even, there was a a universal size of these scales. There's a universal weight that it would have been. But what happens when someone goes around and adds a little bit here and takes a little bit there? Well, now their scales are out of balance. In fact, in fact, archaeologists have had a difficult time pinpointing exactly 
how much something would have been uh, in the sense of weight because so many scales have been found that have been purposefully falsified. And you can tell it because uh, one side of the scale will be thicker than the other and, and things like that. The Bible specifically talks about them in Amos 8.5 where they would make the thing that they're selling smaller and make it weigh less, but they have their scales deceded enough that now they're able to get more money for less goods. Another instance that we can think of is a basic oil lamp. In fact, really a first century oil lamp is really neat to look at. I've been able to see uh, several in different museums. They're about the size of a normal palm, uh, a hand's palm. And they would have a wick going into one side and a little basin of oil. That's what the first century used to light the way. Uh, you can discuss the, the parable of the ten virgins, how some prepared enough oil and others didn't, and the ones who didn't prepare that oil, their lamps went out. It wasn't that a strong wind came through or a power outage uh, took out all of their power. What it was is they just simply burned through their oil. They did not have enough prepared. The same idea is in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it uh, under a bushel, but on a candlestick. He's not talking about the, the wax candles that we would think about today. Uh, although the, the point would still come across very easily and very well. He's talking about those simple oil lamps. And they would be placed on this little pedestal that would give light to all there in the house, as is mentioned in verse 15. Just as we should not seek to hide our light, but give glory to God. Let men see what we're doing and glorify God through that. These pictures of archaeology that we are able to find, much less the proof of people. Uh, people have debated Pontius Pilate, if he ever existed. Archaeological evidence proves that there was a, a procurator in uh, Judah who was named Pontius Pilate around that time. In fact, it gets pinpointed to the exact time that it's mentioned that he existed. People have debated about David ever existing. Well, there's also monuments and trade deals through uh, different kingdoms that relate back to Judah, and it is specified that this king was the son of David. Not necessarily Solomon, but a descendant of David. Archaeology has done great things to help us prove and pinpoint that the Bible isn't lying. It's not a group of made-up stories that have spanned over uh, 2,000 years of history. What it is, is it, a, it is a book of facts recorded 
by someone who was divinely inspired by God to write down exactly what happened when it happened. And all of this time, archaeology and history and the things that have been forgotten from so long ago are being found at the very place that they should be, dating back to the very same time they should be. So when we stop and we think about Christian evidences and how we can prove the Bible, the truth is, is the Bible proves itself, and archaeology, and we'll dig into more topics next week, does the proving of the Bible for us. And it's amazing to sit down and to dig deep and to study these things. I just want to thank you for being here today and letting me kind of geek out and talk about archaeology for a little while. And I hope that truly it has helped you. It has given you that understanding of, first of all, what archaeology is. And second of all, the importance of knowing God's Word and the importance of knowing truthfully that it is historically accurate. I hope that you will be back with us next time. But until then, let's keep growing and keep studying and keep encouraging one another so that each one of us can strengthen and fortify our faith.